Well, we finished uh, the book of Ephesians last week, so we're going to take a few weeks off and do some topical studies. And uh, today, I, I titled today's message, Be a Daniel, Not a Fool. Be a Daniel, Not a Fool. And it's from Daniel chapter 6. So if you could open up to Daniel chapter 6, and uh, while you're turning there, we'll go to the Lord for prayer one more time that he anoints uh, the, the preaching of the word. The reason why we do that here at Trinity Bible Fellowship is because we, we, don't, want, uh, we don't want fake news proclaimed from this pulpit. Um, we don't want the faulty wisdom of man. We want God's word. And, um, and I'm fallible. All preachers of the word are fallible except uh, the Lord Jesus himself. So, so if you bow your heads, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you so much, Lord, for the many ways that you've blessed us, not just with salvation and with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but even with the uh, physical blessings, the material blessings that you've given us here in America, that most Christians throughout the world and throughout the centuries have not uh, enjoyed blessings like this. The religious freedom that you've given us, most Christians throughout the centuries and throughout the world today don't have that kind of freedom. And so I, I just, uh, as Thanksgiving's coming up, uh, I just ask your forgiveness for me and for anybody else who's been, been ungrateful and hasn't been thanking you, not just for your salvation and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but also thanking you for the many material blessings you've given us, even though we don't deserve them. And so now, Lord, as those uh, blessings are are going away, and we have a government that is turning on Christianity. I just pray, Lord, that you would empower us, give us the wisdom and the faith that Daniel had. Help us, to each of us, to be a Daniel and not a fool in the difficult times that come ahead. So I pray, Lord, that as we go over Daniel chapter 6, that uh, you would anoint me with your spirit and empower me to proclaim your truth so I wouldn't lead anyone astray. I pray that you give each and every person here the courage to, to know that the ultimate authority for our beliefs and our behavior is your word, not any guy who gets behind a pulpit like myself or anybody else. It's your, your written word. And so I pray that uh, everyone will go home and test what they're taught from this pulpit and whatever they're taught throughout the week, they would test all things with your word and only hold fast to that which passes the test of your word. So I pray that you anoint me to proclaim your truth so I would not lead anyone astray and that you open hearts and minds to receive truth from your word and empower us by your spirit to obey these truths, to apply these truths to our lives for your glory and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be looking at Daniel chapter 6 today. And it's, in, in many ways, it's been easy to be a Christian in America. I mean, some ways maybe it's been hard because of, uh, you know, social media and Hollywood and, and maybe temptations that some people in other countries might not have. But overall, we've enjoyed religious freedom. And we've been blessed so abundantly I think because of the faith of our forefathers, a faith we no longer hold in this country. And, um, but we've been, we've been spoiled with that. So I think it's been easy to be a Christian. 
to study the word and gather together and, and fellowship. But now as our country turns its back on God, our leadership, and, um, and they've been doing that, by the way, probably, you could probably trace it back to the 1930s, if not earlier. And, um, um, you know, Darwinian evolution kind of crept into the, the schools and the seminaries where we train future pastors. And so, uh, so I think we're, we're going to need a lot more wisdom than we have now. I mean, it used to be, well, what does the Bible say? And then we'll just do it. Okay, and through the power of the Holy Spirit for God's glory, we do it. Now it's, a, it's like, okay, our government is becoming so godless. When do I submit to it, which the Bible commands us to do? And when do I disobey it, which the Bible at other times commands us to do? And so we need the wisdom of Daniel. So look at uh, verses 1 to 3 of Daniel chapter 6. And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them. So they were accountable to, to Daniel, at least one-third of them were, so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the king was thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'd like to make Daniel my right-hand man over the entire kingdom. Now, who was Daniel? As a boy, he, you know, he was Jewish, and he had been taken captive by the Babylonians. And uh, the Babylonians conquered... Uh, uh, Jerusalem in 606 B.C. and then a second time in 586 B.C. And both times they took uh, many of the Jews captive. But the Babylonians, like a lot of ancient empires, realized that if you, there's a lot of young males with tremendous leadership potential who are being raised in the royal families of the countries that they conquer, that the Babylonians conquer, and we ought to take these guys, and instead of killing them like, like some ancient empires would do, we ought to take them and train these young boys to be leaders in our kingdom. So they, they, the Babylonians thought, you know what? Uh, let's tap into some of this potential. And Daniel and his three buddies, um, I mean, you find them earlier, in the book of Daniel, um, Daniel, they changed his name, the Babylonians, to, to Belteshazzar. Um, and then his buddy Ananiah, they, they changed his name to Shadrach, the Babylonians did. Mishael uh, to Meshach and to Azariah Abednego. And so you had, these were among the, the royal families of the Jews and the Babylonians took these young boys and trained them during the 70-year captivity, and they held leadership positions. Daniel was real high up in the Babylonian Empire. Well, when the Meds and the Persians got together and conquered the Babylonians, uh, they saw this elderly guy. Now he grew from a little kid. Now he's probably in his mid to late 80s. And uh, they said, well, this guy was a great leader. 
such a great leader, he even predicted the, that night that the Meds and the Persians were sneaking into Babylon. Remember the handwriting, the writing on the wall? And so maybe that's why the uh, Meds and the Persians said, don't kill this guy. As we wipe out the Babylonian leadership, give this guy a high-ranking position. And um, uh, so the Meds and the Persians had this elderly man now, Daniel, uh, who was a faithful leader in Babylon, even though he was Jewish. Now they added him into the empire of the, the Meds and the Persians who had conquered Babylon. So Daniel became a faithful leader in the Medo-Persian Empire, one of three leaders directly under the king, and then Darius wanted to make Daniel the top leader under him. So there's a lot of guys that don't like that. They're getting jealous and envious of, um, of Daniel. So the consp- they, have, they get together and they conspire against Daniel in verses 4 to 9. And the re- reason why I'm going over this is you got Daniel... A faithful believer, a faithful Jewish man who learned how to grow up and even lead in a very, very pagan empire. Okay? So, I mean, there's two, two ways you can be a fool the more pagan our government and our culture goes. Okay? There's two ways you can be a fool. One is you can say, well, if the, if the government is pagan, uh, I'm just going to oppose it at every single point. And that's actually not biblical. Paul tells us to submit to the governing authorities when Rome, a pagan empire, was ruling. So that, that you know, all or nothing approach, if our government's not headed by Christians who lead us in a Christian manner, um, then that's it. <clears throat> I'm going to disobey them on every, every, in every possible area. The other extreme is to say, well, God says submit to the governing authorities, and uh, even though we're being ruled by pagans now, I need to always obey the government. Now, time and time again, God commends faithful believers for disobeying the government when the government was commanding them to do the wrong thing. So I wish it were just black and white, just real easy to decide, but it's not. And somehow Daniel could hold a high position as as his old buddy, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could in a pagan empire, and yet they remain true to God. Okay? So they they were actually able, I don't know if this is going to happen in our day, but they were actually able to prosper and to have powerful positions in the government while being faithful to God. But it almost got them killed numerous times. Okay? So we need that kind of wisdom that Daniel had. And here's the conspiracy against them. Verses 4 to 9. By the way, whenever you do the godly thing, and you rise in impact and influence... You're going to make enemies. Okay? And it might be on the job site. And non-believing co-workers might get together and plot and make up a story about you. You know, in political arena, if you're a Christian, you run for, for some kind of political office and you're a conservative and you really believe in human rights and the Bill of Rights, um, 
If the other side cannot find any dirt on you, they'll make it up. I mean, when one side of the political arena no longer believes in truth or morality, all that's left is power. It's Friedrich Nietzsche's will to power. And so if, if they can increase their power and crush their opponents by lying about them, why not? And that's the difficult thing with being a godly leader in a pagan society. We play by God's rules. The other side doesn't. So now let's look at the conspiracy against, against Daniel, verses 4 to 9. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. I, I hope God could say that about me, that if the enemies of Christ feel like they have to come after Phil Fernandez and they try to dig up dirt on him, I hope and pray they can't find any because there isn't any. Okay? Now, none of us are, are perfect, but they're looking for some big scandal. They couldn't find anything on Daniel. Okay? And, uh, uh, you know, you try to appoint a pro-life constitutional lawyer to the Supreme Court, and everybody comes out of the closet from the other side making accusations of things that supposedly happened 30 years ago. Okay? Uh, we're getting a lot like the Meds and the Persians were back then. And, uh, but they couldn't find, they tried to find something on him, but they couldn't find anything on him. Verse 5, Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Oh, I wish people would say that about me. Man, I want to... Dig up some dirt on Phil Fernandez because he's got a little bit of influence and I want to squash that. He's my enemy because he loves Jesus and I want to bring him down, but I can't find any dirt on the guy. The only thing I can, we can get this guy on, he loves his Lord so much. He loves his Lord more than he loves the state. He'll submit to his Lord before he'll submit to the state. See, when the Bible tells us, submit to the governing authorities, the Bible also teaches us to submit to God. And guess what? When the government commands that we disobey God, our submission to God is higher. Okay? And so that's the only way they could, they could get Daniel, was based on his love for the Lord. That, that's what we need to have. That should be our goal. To love the Lord so much that the only, the only hit non-believers could have on us is that we love Jesus. Okay? And then they have to try to just turn loving Jesus into a crime, which you're pretty, pretty much along that path right now in this country. And uh, it's verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Uh, by the way, that's a lie. 
They said all the governors of the kingdom and administrators say, do you think Daniel voted for this? No. So it's kind of like all the governors of the kingdom, except Daniel, but we won't tell you about that. We went behind his back. This is our conspiracy to bring him down. That if you pray to anybody, any god or man except King Darius, that you'd be cast for the next 30 days, you'd be cast into the den of lions. By, by, by the way, think about that. What if they made it against the law to pray to our God for 30 days? Would they be able to convict you? Okay? I mean, some, I, I, I'm hoping and praying none of us have gone, you know, two or three days without praying, but, you know, let's be honest here. You know, and, now, and, and by the way, um, most of us pray behind closed doors and stuff. But um, Daniel was ballistic on this. Three times a day, he'd pray in the open to his God. And he wasn't showing off. He just loved his God. But, you know, that's like they, they, that old expression. They said that if, um, if they outlawed Christianity today, would there be enough evidence to convict you tomorrow? Okay? Now, and let me say this, too. Don't feel guilty if you're a quiet Christian. If that's your, if that's your personality. You're not ashamed of the gospel but you're quiet and soft-spoken, okay? So it might take a little longer to catch um, a quiet person worshiping the Lord than there's loud, obnoxious people like myself or, or Carl and, you know, you know, uh, you know, people can hear us preaching from a mile away. And, uh, but don't, so don't feel guilty if you're a quiet Christian, but do feel guilty if you're not a quiet person, but you've decided to be a quiet Christian, um, uh, even if God's called you to share his word. By the way, that's where wisdom's going to come in. Because the reason why there was still a strong Christian church after 70 years of communism in the Soviet, when the Soviet Union folded was because a lot of Christians worshipped in secret. So worshipping in secret is not, um, is not necessarily a sin. But it's with, if God's called you to be loud, you be loud. And if they lock you up, they lock you up. If they kill you, they kill you. If God's called you to be loud, you be loud. If God's calling you to, to lead uh, secret Bible studies in the home or whatever, when this stuff comes down, um, then so be it. But just be what God called you to be. Don't be quiet just because you don't want to suffer for Christ. If you be quiet, you be quiet um, because that, that might be the only way in your situation to further the cause of the gospel. Um, verse 8, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the laws of the Meds and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. So the conspiracy against Daniel, the other leaders, they, they envied him. And they wanted to bring a charge against him, but they couldn't find anything. But they did know that Daniel loved his God more than he loved the king. Okay? I'm telling you, there were some churches in Germany when the Nazis took over that when they had to choose between uh, 
Hitler and Jesus, there were some churches um, that chose Hitler. You got to love God more than the king. You got to love God more than your spouse. You got to love God more than anything. Anything you love more than God, that's called idolatry. And they knew it. It's just like, we want to dig up dirt on Daniel. What's the only dirt we could find? The only dirt we could find, he loves his God more than anything else. Oh, we need to be Daniels. Be a Daniel, not a fool. So they convinced Darius to make a law forbidding anyone to pray to any god or man for 30 days. Prayer could only be made to Darius. This is one of those things that happens in history where I recall the deification of the state. Okay, where you turn the state into God and you demand, you command people to worship the state. And if you think that's not going on right now, we got a government that said that Christian churches are non-essential. We got a government that didn't tell us, hey, we think this virus is really bad and we think it would be safe for your, your churches not to meet. They didn't say that. They said, well, we're just going to shut you down. And we did not have autonomy at that time. We couldn't make a decision on our own. Uh, we were renting from somebody else. Believe me, I've, I've had talks with the people who leased this place to us. And their basic response is, you do, it's none of, we believe in the Constitution, we believe in the Bill of Rights, what you do is your business. Okay. So, uh, but let the church decide. Because last time I heard the head of the church, his name is Jesus. It's not Joe Biden. It's not even Donald Trump. And it's certainly not Hillary. Okay. The head of the church. His name is Jesus. And uh, so if somebody wants to dig up dirt on me or on you, let that dirt, hope that that dirt will be, oh, that guy loves Jesus so much. We can get him in trouble with his godless state because of his, his love for Jesus. Let me tell you, if the world thinks that your Achilles heel is your love for the Lord Jesus, that's the world's problem, okay? That's the world's problem. Yes, Jesus was a babe born in a manger. Yes, he is the lamb who was slain. But he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's also the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when he comes back, literally, heads are going to roll. So if the world thinks that's our weakness, that we love Jesus, what the world thinks is weak, that is our strength. And we got to be like Daniel, where our love for the Lord is, is greater than anything else. Now, the king signed the law. Now, this is unlike Babylonian law. Even the king could not change Medo-Persian law. So, when Nebuchadnezzar was like the king of Babylon, he could make a law, but the king's above the law. So, he could change it if he wanted. He could just say, oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to change the law. So, the king was considered above the law. With the Meds and the Persians, once a law was made, the law was above the king, and the king could not change it. Okay, that was a big factor in the book of Esther. 
when the king found out his, his wife is Jewish and, and he was influenced by bad people to make a law to wipe out the Jews, he couldn't change that law. So what he did was he just made another law. The Jews were allow, allowed to and encouraged to fight back. Okay? And, um, uh, but whatever the case, the king couldn't, couldn't change. Once it signed the uh, Medo-Persian law, even the king could not change it. So what did Daniel do? What do you do when the government comes down on Christianity? What should I do when the government comes down on Christianity? You know what you should do? You should do what you've been doing. Okay? Learn to live for Jesus when days are good, so when days get bad, you'll be willing to die for them. Now, you might have to change a little bit how you do what you do. Okay? Um, But you still do what God's called you to do. And you look for God's wisdom, like the wisdom that Daniel had. So what did Daniel do? He prayed three times that day facing Jerusalem, even though it was illegal. Here he is, the most loyal leader that Darius the Mede had, the most faithful leader, and they make a law that is godless, that commands him to disobey his God. And he says, that's, that's a bad law. I'm not looking for trouble. I'm not looking to pick fights, okay? But I will worship the God of Israel with every breath that I have. And so, in in verses 10 and 11, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem. Yeah, he, he, he could have said, you know, if I just close the window, maybe nobody will see me. But this was his custom, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, because he longed for the day when his people would be back in Jerusalem. And by the way, when the Meds and the Persians took over, uh, King Cyrus eventually allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Um, Daniel probably still stayed in, uh, in the Medo Persian Empire. Um, he was very elderly at that point. Um, so uh, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so he knew it. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't know about that. He knew it. He went home. And in his upper room with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Now, uh, and then in verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, oh, how, uh, how convenient, and, uh, and making supplication before his God. But he prayed three times that day. Now, the Bible tells us Pray without ceasing. And I think the best way to pray without ceasing is if you start your day in prayer, prayer and devotional reading of God's word, and close your day in prayer, and then maybe find, find some time in between to have your own little time of formal prayer before God. Okay, You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Um, but if you pray in the morning in the afternoon and in the evening, like Daniel did, then it becomes natural to be in communication with God throughout the day. So when you're doing your duties, 
whatever that may be, whatever your responsibilities are, you can continue. Keep, keep the phone line open. Keep talking uh, to the Lord. And so Daniel uh, prayed three times that day facing Jerusalem. Let me tell you something. That was illegal. It was the right thing to do, but it was illegal. Now, it used to be in America, if you did the right thing, that was legal. Now we're getting to the point, it's like Isaiah says, Isaiah 5.20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Now you do the right thing, and you get in trouble. You do the wrong thing, I mean... State of California, just as an example, um, they they released like something like eighteen thousand con- convicted felons early on their. Uh, you know, they had years more to go of their sentence. Many of them were violent offenders, and they released them because of COVID. But then they would turn around. And bully people for, you know, either not wearing masks or whatever it might be. Now, if you don't get vaccinated, they don't want you traveling and this and that. It's just it's horrible. Um, people riot in the streets as long as they're on the far neo-Marxist left and burn down buildings. And very rarely are any of them prosecuted. Okay? Um, yet, you're, you're treated like a criminal if you question anything the government's saying. Let me tell you something. We're going from a time when if you do the right thing, it's legal. If you do the wrong thing, it's illegal. It's all being twisted around. So now you do the right thing, and you can get in a lot of trouble. Okay? God is calling us to do a lot of illegal stuff. I know during the shutdowns, it caught us off guard. We didn't have... The autonomy we were renting from a, another church, a bigger church that was under the microscope um, with the governor, and they still are. And um, uh, so we had to Zoom some of our services. Then we figured out, let's start meeting in the homes. I, I, it was at the point, you know, first they said, give us 15 days. Then they said, after the 15 days, no, we got to level the curve. Then after that, they said, no, we got to keep the shutdown going. I'm like, what in the world are they talking about? And then we had the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa protest. And I believe it was Fauci who said the social justice message, which is just code for neo-Marxism, the social justice message is more important than social distancing. And I realized this has nothing to do with health and everything to do with power and control. Okay, and, um, um, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, but things became really, really clear. The lies we were told to by Dr. Fauci. If I would constantly lie to you and then change my mind two weeks later, three weeks later, you better kick me out. Get me out from behind the pulpit. But we're supposed to continue... Uh, to, to trust that guy. So basically what I'm saying is there are things. I know that my, my wife homeschooled my daughter. There was a, a year or two when it was illegal in the state. They came up with technicalities. We didn't meet those technicalities at that time. And uh, But you do the right thing. 
uh, when we were gathering in the homes, we were going way over the government number saying what you could have in a home during that time. So we were doing stuff that was illegal. I mean, hey, like, let God be true and every man a liar. So Daniel's like, look, I'm trying to be the best leader I can be. But don't you ever tell me to stop praying to my God. So he prayed three times that day facing Jerusalem. And, um, and because of, and you see this throughout the Bible, Rahab the harlot lying to the Canaanite, to the Jericho government officials, not submitting to them and lying to them about the fact that she had two Jewish spies on her roof. And she said they went that way. And then, then when they, they went that way, uh, she sent them in the opposite direction. Okay, and God blessed her for that. The Hebrew midwives, when uh, they said the Jewish ladies are real strong, they're having their babies before we even get there because they were ordered to kill the babies when they're born. And, um, and they were lying, and God uh, commended them. The apostles, they were whipped and scourged and ordered to not, no longer to never preach in Jesus' name again. And what did they do? They went right out preaching Jesus. If they had shut up, none of us would be here today. We wouldn't even have a New Testament. Okay? And um, so sometimes the godly thing to do becomes the illegal thing to do. Okay? And um, we got to decide which side we're on. So in Daniel and the lion's den, verses 12 to 17... And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, uh, The thing is true according to the law of the Meds and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Yeah, we, we want to be so strong in the Lord, but we want to speak the truth in love and defend the faith with gentleness and reverence. That even non-believers, if you got locked up tomorrow for preaching the gospel, my prayer is that there would be lots of uh, non-believers who would be upset. So you just locked up a good man, a good friend who was loyal to us. And, um, and so Darius the Mede is like, is all bummed out. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Meds and the Persians, and that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought. Why did Darius the Mede respect Daniel's God? Because he respected Daniel. Wouldn't it be nice if we could be so godly in the way we deal with non-believers 
that they would respect our God. Hopefully become believers eventually, but they would at least respect our God because they say, look, there's something different about John McCarthy. Something different about him. And all I could think is it must be his God because that's all he really cares about, is serving his God. Verse 17, Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. It's like, look, this is we're sealing it. You can't break that seal. You would go against the Medo-Persian Empire. And so now Daniel's in the lion's den. Look at verses 18 through 23. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den alliance. Look, if you're serving a non-believing boss, wouldn't it be nice if through your ministering to him and through your being a faithful employee that he would actually be devastated um, if, if trials came into your life? You know? And by the way, you can't... People have free will. You know, so, you know, that king could have just been a jerk and could have said, well, just, just toss, him, uh, toss him in the lion's den. We'll get another guy to replace him. No big deal. Uh, sometimes you get non-believing bosses like that who hate you because of your faith. OK, but wouldn't it be nice if so long, as, you know, Paul says, so long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. He says that in Romans 12. And that's the way Daniel was. He wasn't going to compromise his faith, but he wasn't going to go out of his way to push the buttons and tick off uh, non-believers. He's not going to compromise the, the faith either. So the, the king couldn't sleep, rose very early in the morning, and went quickly to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel, lamenting. He's thinking, Daniel's probably all chewed up and gone now. And he's like, this guy's mourning. He cried out a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Man, I, I, I wish non-believers would talk about our God like that. Instead, they try to tell us that our God's dead. Our God is not dead. Our God is alive and well. The day will come when God the Son will return to this planet and make things right. But he said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said, O king, live forever. Man, Darius to me was happy to hear those words, to hear any words coming from Daniel. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths. So they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. He's letting him know, king, I have been faithful to you. But when you tell me I can't pray to my God, I'm going to pray to my God till the day I die. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. 
And so God saves Daniel from the lions. When his buddies were in the fiery furnace for not bowing down before Nebuchadnezzar's statue and worshiping the statue, there was a fourth man, one like a son of God, in their midst. Some believe it was either an angel or uh, a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ where he would temporarily take on bodily form to be with his people. That may be what it was. All angel means in the Hebrew and in the Greek is a messenger. And the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is often worshipped. So as Jesus, before he became a man, temporarily manifests himself in human form. He did that quite a few times in the Old Testament. And then it stops when God the Son becomes a man in the New Testament. Um, and so it may have been the Lord Jesus there, the lion of the tribe of Judah, taking on the lions of the Meds and the Persians. Well, I don't have to tell you who's going to win that battle. Okay? And uh, Now, I, I can't promise you that if you're in a lion's den, God's going to rescue you. But I can promise you he'll be there with you. Okay, we go through trials just like people in the world that go through trials. The difference is if you're saved, you don't go through trials alone. King Jesus is with you. And you let him decide whether he delivers you from that or not. And then Darius uh, punishes the enemies of Daniel in verse 24. And the kings gave the command and they brought... Uh, those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. You know, I was, when I was reading this, the first time I read the book of Daniel as a believer, a new believer, I was just like, man, here, I thought this guy there is such a good guy, and now he's killing the wives and the kids of the bad guys, not just the guys themselves. You'll even find the ancient Jews doing that with like Achan. And uh, so we got to really, we got to remind ourselves someday, you know, thank God um, that contemporary governments, well, with the exception of the communist regimes and Islamic regimes and this, this global push, you know, towards a one world government, Apart from that, our, uh, our governments have been pretty, at least in the Western society, our governments have been pretty mellow compared to the brutal governments of the past. And, um, and so Darius could, you know, you, you tick him off, he'll take you out, he'll take your whole family out um, as well. And so Darius punishes the enemies of Daniel. Then Darius gives glory to the God of Israel. When's the last time you saw a non-believer giving glory to the God of Israel? Maybe Darius got saved. You know, I don't know, but I want to I see people giving glory to the God of the Bible. The Bible teaches every knee is going to bow before him someday. It'd be nice if people will voluntarily bow before the Lord Jesus now rather than being forced by his sheer power when Jesus returns. Um, but verses 25 to 27, King Darius gives glory to the God of Israel. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. They pretty much controlled all the ancient world at this point after conquering the Babylonians. 
I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is, not, is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So even this pagan king gives glory to the God of Israel. Yes, I hope he got saved. I don't know that. I don't know his heart. All I know is he greatly respected the God of Israel, Daniel's God. Wouldn't that be nice if people thought, saw our character as believers, if non-believers saw our character and that caused them to respect our God. Okay? And I, I've seen some non-believers who are like that. Now, would I, would I like them to take the next step and then trust in Jesus alone for salvation? You better believe it. But Daniel had great influence on, on his uh, earthly boss, King Darius. Uh, verse 28, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius, and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian, Darius the, the Mede, and then Cyrus, the, the King Cyrus the Persian, Cyrus ends up into issuing the decree that allowed the Jews to return to Jerusalem, rebuild the temple and the walls. So Daniel continued to prosper in the reigns of Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persians. So if, if I want us to be a Daniel, we should all want to be a Daniel and not a fool, what lessons can we learn from Daniel? Okay? First, accept the tribulation and suffering that God allows in your life. I'm talking about Daniel as a little boy being taken captive. Most people would just throw in a towel and say, forget it, man, I'm, I'm a Jew. And you're taking me captive into Babylon? And then you're going to train me to administer your laws, when you conquered us, um, we've got to accept the tribulation and suffering God allows in your life, um, just like Daniel was taken captive. We all, when something bad happens, we always say, why me? Why me, Lord? You know. And um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is a good passage to go to. That, um, in fact, we could look at that real quick. 1 Corinthians 10... In verse 13, no temptation. Now, the word for trial and temptation is the same word in the Greek. No temptation or no trial has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay? Now, the key words there, the, the four key words there, but God is faithful. God didn't promise us, you're not going to have any trials and tribulations. God did not say that. God did promise us that he is faithful. Okay? And so accept the tribulation and suffering God allows in your life. You know, I'm, I've had a fairly healthy body throughout my life, and it amazes me. People who suffer much more than I do. How they still love Jesus. 
And what they're doing is they're accepting the tribulation and suffering that God allows in their life. Okay? Never mock an elderly person in a wheelchair who's praising Jesus. You got heretics saying, you must have unconfessed sin or lack of faith. If they're praising Jesus and they're in a wheelchair, most of us have proven we can praise Jesus as long as we're healthy. You take our health from us and you give us like some of the tests that, uh, and trials that Job went through, who knows what that will do to our faith. Uh, number two, be faithful to God in the midst of your suffering. Remember, in Romans 8.18, Paul tells us, I, the sufferings, the present sufferings we go through right now are nothing to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us when Jesus returns. Okay? So don't say, oh, God's unjust. He's allowing an evil man like evil men like Bill Gates and George Soros to prosper. And, um, and even in America now, we have innocent, godly people who are being imprisoned. Okay? Um, you got to understand, there's eternity. God will make things right. The 70, 80 years that you have on this planet, God will make things right. Be faithful to God in the midst of your suffering. God works all things for our good, Romans 8.28. You might be saying, Lord, how can you allow me to go through this horrible time? I was serving you and everything. God's going to work it for good. How is he going to work it for good? I usually don't know. But let God be God. Job couldn't figure it out. We know enough about God's goodness not to turn our backs on him in, uh, in areas that we just don't understand. So be faithful to God in the midst of your suffering. Uh, submit to and serve your leaders except when they command you to disobey God. Because Romans 13, 1 and 7 tells us, submit to the governing authorities. Jesus said, pay your taxes. Whose image is on this coin? Caesar. Well, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And so a lot of Christians say, oh, so we're supposed to submit to the governing authorities. Yes, but contained in that statement is also uh, civil disobedience. We are to give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's? What if Caesar demands what only belongs to God? Then we say, no, Caesar. The early church and the ancient Jews refused to say Caesar is Lord. Okay? And uh, so we submit to and serve our leaders except when they command us to disobey uh, God. Acts 5.29, the apostles, they said, we must obey God rather than men. Okay? Um, you know, we gotta, we got to just tell people, look, we got to we resist the deification of the state. Darius, you are not God. Joe Biden, you are not God. Okay? Anthony Fauci, you are not God. Okay? We must obey God rather than men. You know, we got to tell these people, look, there's a God and you're not him. There's not, God's not taking applications. Who wants to replace me? There's a God, you're not him. Okay? So our submission to God is far above our submission to the government or anything else. Number four, trust God when you suffer for doing the right thing. God never promised us justice in this, in this life. That's, that's in the hereafter. Okay? We blew it in the garden. And so even if you suffer for doing the right thing, 
You trust God. Uh, number five, never compromise your loyalty to God. You know, Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You got to decide which side you're on. Decide now. Don't wait for somebody to put a gun to your head. Don't wait for the Gestapo to knock on your door in the middle of the night. Okay? You decide right here and now which side you're on. Okay? Now, you, you know, I'm hoping and praying that our entire government has a come-to-Jesus moment. Okay? I'm not betting on that, though. I'm not a bet man, but even if I was, I wouldn't bet on that. Uh, but we can hope and pray, and we pray for our leaders, but um, we're never going to compromise our, our loyalty to God. We've we got to tell the world. Just as we've got to tell them there is a God and you're not him, we've got to tell the world, my God's bigger than your God. My God's not going to back down to your God. Why should I back down to you? Okay? When I dealt with a Satan worshiper, I told him, my master created your master. Therefore, when we get together, I will do the talking and you will listen. Do you understand me? And, um, and he said yes and got all teary-eyed and started trembling even though he outranked me. We were in the Marine Corps at the time. Um, my God's bigger than your God. We, we sure don't sound that way. See, we're supposed to be the most boasting people on the planet. We don't boast in ourselves because we deserve hell. We're saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. But then, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord, 2 Corinthians 10, 17. We've got to brag about our God and tell people that our God's bigger than your God. Uh, pray, you, you, we should pray to God for deliverance when we suffer. God might choose to deliver you, like Daniel. Then again, he may choose to allow your suffering to remain, like Stephen in the book of Acts, who was stoned to death. And James, the brother of John, who was beheaded. And Paul, um, who was beheaded in, in a Roman prison. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul knew his death was near. And uh, next point, accept God's will for your life. We know God is good, so we can trust him to do what is right. He's in control. If you're going through something rough, God allowed it. If God allowed you to go through it, he is good, and uh, accept God's will uh, for your life. Live for God when days are good. Let me close with these last two verses here. 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 15. And he, that's Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We need to live for God when days are good. Okay? Don't be, if you're sliming in your walk with the Lord right now, when you've got a decent amount of freedom left, okay, don't tell me you're going to be willing to die for Jesus when things get bad. If you can't live for Jesus when the days are good, what makes you think you're going to be willing to die for him when things get bad? And we'll close with that. Mark 8, 34 to 36. Mark 
when he, that's Jesus, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So you put your own needs on a shelf. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. That's whatever mission God has given you. And for some of us, that cross is going to be a literal cross. There's going to be some suffering there. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow Jesus in the path of obedience to the Father. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And so live for God when days are good so that you know you'll be willing to die for God when things get bad. We need, like Daniel, we need to pray that God would give us the wisdom to know when to draw the line in the sand. We're going to have to decide which hill to die on. Some of us are going to be dying on different hills, by the way. Pray to God for wisdom. Obvious lines, we will never deny Christ. We will never, if you're a true believer, you will never, ever, ever deny Christ. Refuse to deny Christ. Okay? We will never stop preaching Jesus. Some of us preach Jesus loudly, we'll probably get arrested. Some of us preach Jesus in a very quiet way. God be with you. Because when the loud guys are and the loud gals are locked up, the church is going to be left in the hands of quiet saints. So I'm praying for you. Obvious lines to, to, to draw that line in the sand. Never deny Christ. Never stop preaching Jesus. Never accept the mark of the beast. Now some Christians are pre-trib. We have pre-tribbers in this church. And they don't believe that the church will be here. will be snatched out. And won't have to worry about the mark of the beast. I'm a post-tribber. I think Christians will go through the tribulation. So... Uh, never accept the mark of the beast. You find yourself on earth and they got a 666 mark, you got to worship the Antichrist, you can't buy or sell without it. You think we're far from that kind of thinking? We got Mayor de Blasio in New York. You can't buy or sell in New York City unless you have your vaccine passport. So he believes the government has the right to do a medical procedure on your body, and if you don't have proof of that medical procedure, you can't buy or sell. The guy's candidating for the Antichrist position. He's not going to get it. He just got to be more squared away than him to get, get a position like that. Um, if the whole police department in your city turns their back on you every time you walk by, you're not, you're not going too far. Uh, another line, obvious line to draw, never worship anything but the triune God. Never worship anything but the triune God. Less obvious lines, do you get the in, in, injection, the so-called vaccine? I've decided no. There hasn't, just, there hasn't been the research on synthetic RNA. And, I, and the guys who are behind it are the guys who also wanted to decrease the population on planet Earth. So I'm not in. A lot of godly Christians have chosen to get it. So it's a less obvious line. My, my body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm just not... I just don't trust the, blindly trust the government. Okay. I'm not a big Bill Gates fan. I'm sorry. Uh, another less obvious line of church shutdowns. Some good churches shut down because we thought it was the right advice at the time. And then when we found out when the, that the emperor has no clothes, it was time to open things back up. Uh, we've got to learn like Daniel. If Daniel didn't pick his fights, 
he would have been executed while he was still a boy. So he prayed to God three times a day, and I'm sure he prayed for wisdom, and God made Daniel wise so he knew which hills to die on. I tell my students when they go off to college, don't interrupt your professor every time he says something unbiblical. If you go to a secular college, you'll never, you won't pass the course, let alone graduate. So pick your fights. Pick your fights. Uh, but we need, we need more wisdom. We need wisdom like Daniel and his three buddies because the things that are going to come down in a godless culture with a godless government that has declared war on our God. Let me tell you, you declare war on God, you lose. Okay? And uh, let's, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we love you, Lord. We pray for our country and our leaders that you would chip away at their hardened hearts and bring them to your salvation and cause them to have your wisdom and rule with your wisdom. But if they do not repent, Lord, and if they continue to take an anti-Christian stance on all the issues, and if the, the state tries to deify itself and demand worship, give us the courage to be a Daniel. Give us the courage uh, to, uh, to echo the words of Joshua. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so when a government wants us to worship it, give us the courage to say Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord. To Jesus be all the glory. We long for that day when Jesus will take his stand upon the earth and rescue his people, but also defeat the forces of evil, the godless leaders who mock him. But until that day, give us the power to be your people, to obey your word, to proclaim your word, to speak the truth in love and to have the wisdom of a Daniel. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.